Wonderful to be here. And we've been reflecting a little bit on values recently, the idea of values. And to that end, um, very interesting, I had a, uh, I was reading a book by, who remembers Corey Jane, all black Corey Jane? Great, great all black winger. And he shares in his book a story about Kevin Mialamu, who uh, is going to be speaking at the Leadership Accelerator coming up on uh, February 13th. So get along there. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. One of our genuine all-black greats. And uh, so Corey Jane tells a story where uh, they were in South Africa and they've just had a big win at Alice Park. They've gone back to the hotel. It's the next morning and they're looking forward to breakfast. So he and Israel Dag head, head out of the room. They're looking to go for breakfast and they see the two greats walk past. Richie McCaw and Dan Carter. And the All Blacks didn't really have stringent dress codes, but you didn't wear singlets to breakfast. But here's Richie McCaw and Dan Carter in their singlets on the way to breakfast. So Corey Jane looks at Israel Dagg and they say, oh, well, they must have relaxed the rules as part of our celebrating our victory. So they go back in, they get the guns out, they put the singlets on, they go and jump in the elevator, they're looking forward to a feed. So they go down, the elevator doors open, and standing there is Kevin Mialamu. And Kevin Mialamu looks at them, and he looks them up and down, Corey Jane says. And he says, oh, what are you up to there, boys? Oh, uh, not much, Kevin, just heading for breakfast, they said. So he stood there thinking for a moment, and then Kevin Mialamu said this. Okay, guys, do you think maybe you might want to go back up and put a shirt on? Up to you, though. You guys decide if you think that's a good idea. Here's what Corey Jane writes. There was no command, no overt instruction, but we both knew enough to read between the lines. <laughs> rules are rules, and Kevy, in his own calm way, was enforcing them by putting the responsibility squarely back on our bare shoulders. So you can imagine them standing there going, oh, press the door up, the door's shut, they go back up and get changed. They come back down for breakfast, but while they're sitting there, they're stewing because they think, oh, so there's different rules for the big boys. And we have to go and get changed, but Richie McCaw and Dan Carter, they get to wear singlets. Well, sure enough, how wrong we were, he says. Because this is what he says. We found out that after the meal that Kevin Mialamu had gone in and told both Richie and Dan Carter that they needed to go upstairs and get changed and go and put a collar on because you're all blacks. And so Corey Jane finishes the story with this. Richie is the skipper of the team, and we all know that, but Kevy's the man who sets the tone for the group. I don't think I've ever met anyone who is held in greater respect. How about that for Manna? And, uh, and it's lovely because when you think about it, every group, every team, every marriage, every family operates out of a culture, operates out of a sense of shared meaning and has a sense of values, a, an understanding of being and doing. That's true. We all operate out of a sense of values. And it's true for us. And so values are beliefs that motivate us to act one way or another. Values serve as a guide for our behavior. And they can be defined as the moral principles or the beliefs or the accepted standards for an individual or a group. And our values as followers of Christ flow out of who Jesus is. They flow from the heart of God. They flow from the kingdom of God. And they dictate how we think, how we speak, how we act. That's, that's the ideal. That's where our values flow from. And, of course, here at Activate, we have a set of values, don't we? And so, so what are they? We're just going to uh, 
listening online, but I'm just going to get people here to, to call out. So what, what are our values here? Kingdom focus. So we're focused on the kingdom. So we have a focus that goes beyond sort of my little life and, and I can get caught up in the things of this world. But actually, no, we have a focus on the bigger picture, on God's kingdom being established. Excellent. Kingdom focused. What else? Oh, sorry, big hearted. So big hearted. So, so very easy to um, be concerned just about my stuff and me, but to be big hearted, to reflect the heart of God that takes in the world around us and others, to be able to think of others and, and what they're going. So, so to be big hearted. There's another value from over here. Belonging. Beautiful. That is a human thing. We all long to belong. And the beauty of it is, is us created in the image of God, we belong to God, and we belong to one another. We're part of the wider human race, but we, long, we belong to the whānau of God because God is our Father, and we've responded in faith to Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? So, so we've got kingdom-focused, we've got big-hearted, we've got belonging. What else? Purposed. So purposed. None of us have come into being by random biological chance. We're created by our Heavenly Father. And, and we, we, we all respond to the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and, and to share the good news. But we also have a, a unique calling for each of us because of the way that our Father has created us. We're all wired differently in the way that we reflect His image. And so we're all created with a purpose. Our lives have meaning. Our lives have value. Who knows there are, peop there are people in our nation need to hear that, need to grasp that that your life has purpose, you're valuable because you're created in the image of God. Not because of what you do, not because of what you produce, but simply because of who you are. So we're purposed. And the last value, courageous. We're called to be people of courage. I love it. You read it in Joshua so many times in those first few verses. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And time and time again throughout the scriptures, we read those words. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. And you've got to think, why? Probably because God's people were often afraid. They got scared and they needed to hear that. Be courageous. To, to have the courage to step out and to do the things that God has called us to do so we can be salt and light in a world that needs his love. Amen. So, so these are values that whereby we seek to reflect the heart of God in our world today to reflect God's kingdom and so we want to we, we want to see we, in terms of being kingdom focused we want to reflect God's heart and God's kingdom and as I was sharing this uh, with one of the kids that I was going to be preaching on this talking about God's kingdom they said so what's God's kingdom and if you think about that so much of the way we speak as Christians can be littered with Christianese can't it washing the blood of the lamb sanctified and all that sort of stuff but it's, it's good. When we talk about the kingdom of God, what are we talking about? Because if we think of images of kingdom, hey, with crowns and scepters and robes, true? Uh, or, or we might have to go to uh, literature and movies. Maybe we're thinking of T'Challa and Wakanda. Or maybe we're thinking of Lord of the Rings and Rohan and Gondor. Or Robin Hood holding the fort till good King Richard can come back. Because you know, we don't live in monarchies today. Or maybe you've been to kingdoms, places like Tonga and Thailand. But when we think of kingdom in those senses, we're talking about a realm. We're talking about a place. And that's what we tend to think of when we think of kingdom. And the Bible does use the word kingdom like that. But there's a more helpful way to understand how kingdom is generally used in Scripture. 
So one scholar puts it this way, that when we read about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's a way of saying God is acting as king. It's a dynamic way of saying God is acting as king. So in scripture, the phrase refers primarily to the rule and reign of a king. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the rule and reign of God. God ruling, God reigning, God's way. And so if you think about that, imagine if everything happens exactly as God desires. What would our communities look like? How would we treat the other people who are different to ourselves? There would be justice. There would be love. There would be respect for one another. This is what it's like to live under God's rule and reign. You know, um, we've, we've prayed it. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, his will is done. In heaven, he rules and reigns and, people, and everyone lives his way. But in this world, what happens is, is, is Jesus has come and, and through Christ, God has broken into human history in a unique way so that his kingdom has come among us in a unique way in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus preached at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, you'll read it in the beginning of Mark's gospel. He'll say, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news because the rule and reign of God was breaking into this world. And so in Jesus, we saw a life that was lived fully under the rule and reign of God and in obedience to God. But who knows, we also live in a world of competing kingdoms. In Jesus' time, there was Caesar's kingdom and the values of the church came into a clash and a collision with that. And so today, too, we have competing kingdoms that vie for the allegiance and the, the love of the hearts of our people. True? There are ideologies and philosophies around that people ad adhere to. And, and if you see online, the arguing and the anger that's about, it's because people are holding up banners. And they're, they're, holding, they're, they're standing for a particular kingdom. And they're lobbing their volleys at one another. Or there are people who are living for trying to find their identity or meaning or value or purpose in kingdoms such as uh, popularity or power, beauty, fame, wealth. All of these things compete for the hearts of us as human beings and seek to draw us away from living for the kingdom of God. And so we're living in a time where there are competing kingdoms, but there will be a time where God's kingdom will be the only kingdom. There will be no other kingdoms. That'll be God's kingdom come in fullness. And that's what Revelation talks about, that time where there'll be no more tears and no more sadness and no more crying and no more death for the old order of things will pass away. That's God's kingdom come in fullness. But in the meantime, we seek for his kingdom to come and grow and be established so we look to be salt and light in this world. Does that make sense? So the kingdom of God, that's what we're looking at. This morning. Because we want to see God's rule, God's reign, God's way, don't we? In our marriages, in the lives of our children, in our, in our families, in our businesses, in our communities. That's what we're looking to see. God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, his way coming. 
and being and being established among us. So so what is so how do we see the kingdom come? How do we see God's kingdom come? And so we've been singing it this morning. If we go to the words of Jesus, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, we're going to read from Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus teaches us how to pray. And it would seem that prayer is the way to see God's kingdom established. We, we pray. And so Jesus teaches his followers when, they, when they're looking to learn how to pray. He says in verse 9, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so how does God's kingdom come? We pray. We pray. And uh, beautiful, because we long for this place to be like heaven. See, in heaven, God's name is treated and his character is treated as infinitely precious and holy. It's not in and, and, and all over New Zealand, is it? And all around the world. For, for, for many people, that is the case. But we want that to grow. But in heaven, his name is treated, his character is treated as infinitely precious and holy. In heaven, his will is done. Not, re not resisted, not rejected. In heaven, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his way. But here on earth, in the meantime, we live in a world filled with competing kingdoms. So we pray for his kingdom to come. And I found the teaching of a Bible teacher called John Ortberg really helpful in this. And he calls for us, for us to pray in a number of directions in order to see God's kingdom come to earth. And so I just want to reflect on that this morning. That's really what I want to be sharing around. And the first area that he says we're called to pray for God's kingdom to come is that we pray for God's kingdom to come in our personal lives. We pray that the kingdom of God will break into our life and invade our soul. To pray your kingdom come is to ask God the Father to expand his rule over the territory of our hearts and lives. So we pray that God will have full and total rule in every area of our lives and hold nothing back. You know, I, I remember a, a beautiful song from back in the 90s from a guy called Chris Bowater that, that reflects on a lot of these ideas. You, you might know it. It's a, you can play it if you, if you know three chords, which is all I've ever had. Uh, but it, 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 the song is Rain In Me. You know, and it's just, Rain in me, Sovereign Lord, rain in me. Rain in me, Sovereign Lord, rain in me. And then when you go to the, the bridge or the verse, it expands on that idea. Captivate my heart. Let your kingdom come. Establish there your throne. Let your will be done. Reign in me. You know, I could have been quite a different person if he didn't reign in me. Amen. And so we pray for God, reign in me. And then as God reigns in me, I can operate out of the values of his kingdom rather than the values that I've picked up along the way in this world. 
uh, and you know, it's, it's been beautiful to see the kind, you know, Auckland has been through a terrible time with the floods, and I, you know, and social media can get me down at times, but I went on social media last week, and it was beautiful to see people posting and just saying things like, my brother and I have a van, if you need anything picked up, call us, we'll do it for free. Hey, you need somewhere to stay? I've got a room downstairs, let me know. Anyone needs help? Give me a call. My brother and I are here to help. Just message after message after. It is an expression of the love of God of people created in God's image. Just that expression of kindness. People have got quite cynical about that idea of kindness. Our prime minister at the time pushed that idea of kindness, and then people got quite cynical about it. We should never be cynical about kindness. I'm not waving a political flag here. I'm talking about a fruit of the Spirit. We should never be cynical about kindness. And so that's a value of the kingdom. It's a value of the kingdom, of treating people with respect and honor. And look, it, it comes out in the little things of life. Look, I'll give you an example. Uh, have any of you ever seen the way that parents act on, si- on the sideline at kids' sports? Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I can tell by your response. You're not going, yeah, no, no, we all have, it's great. Yeah, we'll just sit there and we support the kids and we're good to the refs. It's fantastic. They have to have signs there that say, this is not the All Blacks. These people are volunteers. It's sad. I remember when I was coaching once and they had this program where someone started getting violent or aggro, you go up and give them a lollipop. And I'm thinking, yeah, that will calm them down. You know? So I remember watching one of my son's games with uh, my daughter and the ref was making some controversial decisions and the coaches were getting aggro and some of the kids were getting aggro and the parents were getting aggro on the sideline. And I saw at one stage that the referee had hurt himself and was struggling to keep up with the game. And, and things were really tense. And so the game took a break at half time, and he's standing out in the middle of the field all on his own. You could, you could just feel the isolation in the moment. And so I, I, I wandered out to have a talk to him. And someone said, what are you doing? You can't talk to the ref. And, you know, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> if I was going out there to say, hey, hey, you need to police the offside. Well, no, I can't talk to the ref. Or if I'm going out there to say, hey, you're being too hard on my boy. No, I can't talk to the truth. Hey, you can't do that. But that's not why I was going. So I said to this person, shush. You just, <laughs> you just, you just worry about you. Don't worry about me. And, and so I wandered out and I, I, he looked up and I, I had my water bottle with me. I said, would you like a drink? And he said, no, I'm fine. And I said, look, I noticed you, you, you'd, you'd hurt yourself. Are you doing all right? Are you all, I just come out to see if you're all right. That's all. And he opened up and we shared. And I'm not going to talk about it here because it was private. But it was an intimate conversation between men. And I was able to speak words of kindness. I was able to speak words of encouragement. On that occasion, Farno, I chose well. <laughs> I haven't always. But, on, but, but seriously, I could have easily been on the sideline going, ah, gee, ah, you know, ah. But on that occasion, I thought, no, I'm going to walk to the beat of a different drum. I'm, I'm going to ignore what's going on around. That's a brother out there. I'm going to go out and see if he's all right. And it's quite different. It's easy. <laughs> very easy to be critical, isn't it? I used to sit there watching. Man, you wouldn't believe how my father used to scream at the TV. Every man I knew used to scream at the TV growing up watching sports. So that's what I grew up with. And then I'm sitting with my son who's grown up with Jesus. 
which is really one, when he was seven and I'm watching sports and someone would drop a catch and I'll go, ah, oh, you mug. And he'll go, I oh, didn't do it on purpose, Dad. <laughs> From the heart. He's not trying to bum me out. Or someone will miss a kick and I'm like, ah, oh, and Rachel will go, oh, I just feel for his mum. <laughs> and, and while that's light, it helps you to know, yeah, that full is a human being. These are people. Chill out, you armchair critic. Eating on your, your Doritos, going, ah, oh, I'd have passed on. Oh, no. Says in class, you didn't get picked. But, but, but did you see that idea of, of how we, you know, my values help me to choose between options. And in that time, uh, thankfully, I was able to remember that I'm a child of my father and I wanted to reflect him well. You know, and if we don't, we can just step back on track and come back to him, which is lovely. I don't know about you. I want God to so reign in my life, in our lives, so that we're so filled with love and grace that the natural response of our heart is loving and gracious. You know, that, 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 that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. When we pray for God's kingdom to come in this way, we begin to dream and experience what it looks like as God's kingdom begins to break into our lives, into our marriages, into the lives of our children, into our schools into our businesses, into our families. So we pray for God's kingdom to come into our own lives. And in that sense too, we pray for God's kingdom to come among us as his people, the church, so that we can be ambassadors for another kingdom, for our king, so that we can be an outpost of heaven, so we can live out those values as we are salt and light in a world that needs him. Amen? I remember hearing from one person... uh, when I was studying preaching, they said, people don't need to know how bad they are. They need to know how good they can become. I've I've always liked that because this is the gospel. It's good news. If it's not good news, don't say it. Because this is good news. This is the good news of Jesus. God so loved the world. And so we pray for God's kingdom to come in our own lives. We pray for God's kingdom to come among us as the church. And we pray for God's kingdom to come in our society and in this world, in the wider world. And so this weekend, as we reflect on a covenant document at the foundation of our nation that was signed in a place called Waitangi 163 years ago, my mind goes to the words of Scripture, and I think of way back the psalmist talking about Israel, and he says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. That's the heart of God. And I think of Paul's words to the Ephesians where he talks about how in the cross, through the shed blood of Christ, he has brought Jew and Gentile, ethnic groups that did not mix together. He has made the two people one and brought them into his family and love. That was, that was, a, that was a unique thing in the ancient world. And so again, there's this reconciliation, not only between human beings and God, but among us as people who bear his image. And then I think of the vision in Revelation where John sees people before the throne of God from every nation, tribe, and tongue praising God. So there before the throne, they don't all look the same, but there's this loving diversity and unity united in Christ worshiping God. And so we see the heart of God there as I look through Scripture 
And then I think of our nation and, and, and his heart and kingdom for our nation. I love our nation. I love our people. Love our culture. Love the, the diversity. You know, I remember one time going to Hamilton Library and I could hear a couple over here speaking in Arabic and a couple over here speaking in Chinese and another couple over here speaking in Samoan. And I thought, this is New Zealand. This is New Zealand. This is beautiful. But I come back to God's heart for our nation, and I think of Jay Ruka, a wonderful Christian leader in our nation. Speaking on the treaty, he says, the only reason New Zealand has the Treaty of Waitangi is because of concerned Christians in England applying pressure to the government at the time. The treaty was first thought of by Christians. It was written by Christians. It was translated and interpreted by Christians. And I know as I open that sort of conversation, that can be controversial. That, that brings up a whole lot of the good, the bad, and the ugly that's taken place in our history. But if I think of the heart of God, the kingdom of God, and his desire, his rule, his reign, his way in our nation, then I think, well, my hope is that we would grow in Christ and by his spirit to be able to trust and respect one another more. That our quest for justice would be increased. That genuine reconciliation would take place between us and God and among us as people. I pray that by his spirit, he would be able to bring us to unity and a common purpose. We sang, you know, the first verse, Te Reo Māori and English uh, earlier on from the national anthem. Thomas Bracken, beautiful words, a man of faith was not happy with the breaches for the treaty that he, he saw time and time again. Irish, Irish New Zealander. And, uh, you know, and he wrote in that national anthem, Men of every creed and race, gather here before thy face, asking thee to bless this place, God defend our free land. From dissension, envy, hate, and corruption guard our state. Make our country good and great, God defend New Zealand. So to make our country good and great, that's according to God's plan, God's kingdom, God's ways. That was his prayer. It's amazing, national anthem. Phenomenal words. And so my hope is that God's love would be reflected among us as a people, among all people who dwell in this land and call it home. God wants to see his kingdom established here on earth. And we want to see God's kingdom established. Thank you, Josh. Um, we want to see God's kingdom established here on earth. Uh, and, and whenever we see Jesus preaching about this, we see that he's really talking about a form of social renewal. On one hand, there's this prophetic challenge of the hypocrisy and the injustice that's going on in the surrounding society. It's a big part of the biblical story. And on the other hand, is the formation of a community of faith, the people of God, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, who, who form a community that lives out according to the values of the kingdom, an outpost of heaven, ambassadors of the king, being salt, being light in a world that needs him. That's what it is to see the kingdom come.
this week, how can you pray? How can we pray for God's kingdom to come? Here, in our lives. Here, in our communities of faith and among us as brothers and sisters. Here, physically, online, among us as brothers and sisters. How can we pray that the kingdom come in our world so that those kingdoms that seek to exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ will be toppled and God's kingdom can be established and we can live according to His rule, His reign, His way with His love and joy, peace, kindness, justice, unity, Those are fruits of the kingdom. I learned it in the archaic words growing up, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come in my life. Thy kingdom come in your church. Thy kingdom come in our nation and in this world.